This morning at TPOS, Pastor Sadler titles his sermon, Courage to Cut the Ropes. We all have things that we tie ourselves to, whether it be anxiety or an addiction, but it's time to sever the ties we have with the world and step into God's plan that He has for our lives. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, Acts 27. Last month, we really specialized on the central thought of let my people grow because we're working to get rooted and grounded. Amen? But our theme for this month then is let our people go. It's let my people go. Okay? Do you remember in the Bible that God used his messenger Moses and he sent Moses to send Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the ruler of the world, send him a message. He says, oh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Can I just stop and preach there just a minute? They went from 70 people to 2.5 million people while in Egypt. They grew numerically, but God wanted to also bless them. And just because you can grow in the world numerically does not mean you can grow in the world spiritually. And when God got ready to do a spiritual work in his people's lives, he took them out of Egypt, a type of the world, said, let me take you to a place a land flowing with milk and honey that is conducive to your spiritual growth. We are believing that God is going to empower our saints to speak to the enemy that has held your soul captive too long to let you go so you can grow. Acts chapter 27, let's read it, verse 29. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern, and wished for the day. Anybody here just wish for the day? Wish for the day that you got paid? (laughs) Wish for the day that you got to sleep in? Anybody here wish for the day that your team won? Anybody wish? Anybody wished you had more money? Anybody wishing for retirement? Anybody wishing for no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, streets of gold, wall of jasper, gates of... Anybody wishing for the day? And so these sailors threw out anchors and they're wishing for the day. They don't like what they're going for. But verse 30 says, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under the color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said unto the centurions, the soldiers that were accompanying him, he said unto the centurions and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Our text for today, verse 32, then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. I want to preach today for the church by the unction of the Holy Ghost that God is speaking. It is time to cut the ropes that hold us back, hold us down, and prevent us from growing. If you believe God can use even me, let's pray Jesus today. Let your spirit be loosed in this place. God, begin to illuminate to our mind and give us understanding. God, let conviction 
not condemnation. God, let joy and peace and love sweep in this place and let us be able to trust you with everything in our lives, we pray, and let the church say in Jesus' name, amen. Elisha Otis invented a device known as a fail-safe safety brake for elevators. Anybody here ridden on an elevator? You ever noticed in the, the, the plate in the entrance to the elevator, has got the word Otis? And I always thought that was Otis from Andy Griffith. And I now realize that Elisha Otis, the founder of the Otis Elevator Company, invented this brake. People were so fearful to get on elevators, and understandably so, they'd had a poor track record. And so Otis developed this brake that if the elevator began to descend too abruptly, this brake would engage and it would stop the elevator. But it was easy to tell people, and they're looking at this brake in the box going, okay, that's great, but I don't know if I trust my life with it. And then in 1853, Otis had a great marketing idea. The World's Fair, that's where they inventors from all over the world bring their latest inventions and they exhibit them for people to see, to stretch the mind and help you see the future and what is possible. And so he rented space in the main exhibit hall there at the Palace of Exhibits in New York City and built a platform that was suspended approximately 50 feet over the main exhibit floor. And where people were walking under, he would start talking and he'd gather a crowd. And when he had a big enough crowd, he would holler at the top of his lungs, cut the rope! And he had an axeman standing to the side and he would swing an axe and chop the big rope and the platform would begin to fall suddenly down to the ground and then that brake would engage and it would stop him. And he would look over the edge and say, all is well, because Elisha Otis was willing to demonstrate his safety break. It had an impact on society. Let me give you an example. At that time in New York City, there were no buildings taller than five lights high because who in here likes climbing steps? And about the fifth flight, people said, I'm not going any higher. I'm stopping here. And so there was no sense in building higher-rise buildings because people just really wouldn't climb the steps. And then secondly, they did not trust the elevators. And so kind of the proverbial glass ceiling to how tall you could build a building at the time was about five flights. Elisha Otis is credited with giving birth to the explosion that we call now the skyscraper phenomenon that's very common in New York City today. Get these numbers. In 1890, after the popularity of this break was adapted into society, in 1890 there were 10 buildings in New York City that were over five stories tall. But by 1900, there were 65 buildings taller than 20 stories. And then by 1920, there were 530 buildings that are now classified as skyscrapers. More and more buildings got taller and taller because one man cried out, cut the rope. 
because Elisha Otis had the courage to cut the rope, the people in New York City have gone higher and higher. Here's a number. There are now over 58,000 elevators in New York City that at least the world's population travels in a three-day period. We're over 7 billion people ride the elevators in a three-day period in New York City because of what Elisha Otis did. Now, what's your point today, Pastor? God wants to elevate you. He wants to set you in heavenly places. He wants to bless you and put you in situations so far above where most of us tend to live. But God is not able to because we have these cords and ropes of the things of this world that we are connected to that are holding us back and are holding us down. I call it our back door, our plan B, our prenuptial agreement. Let me stop and say there, I heard this first from a man named Dave Ramsey. He was counseling a woman about finances, and she was about to get married, and she says, the man I'm going to marry wants me to sign a prenuptial agreement, meaning that I bring very little into the relationship, and he has quite a bit, and if we were to get divorced in the future, that I would only leave with what I brought into the marriage. And he stopped, and I thought he was going to give some uh, financial advice. He said, why in the world? Would you be willing to marry somebody that chooses their possessions over you? Their commitment only goes as far as they're happy and are comfortable with. Can I be honest with you? I'm afraid too many people even in the church are only willing to go as high as they're comfortable with or what they may risk or what they may lose. We cannot be a church on the move ascending into heavenly places that we put restrictions. We want God to be rich in mercy and bountiful in blessings. And I will tell you, God is merciful and God is faithful and, and God is a God of blessings. But we're looking for the benefits. But I'm going to tell you what, He's also a committed God. He will never leave you or forsake you. That was weak. I said He will never leave you or forsake you. My Bible says He's married to the backslider. You may leave Him, but He'll be right where you left Him. He's still looking down the road waiting for you to turn around. God is committed to you. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid we've become a society that has developed multiple backup plans and other options our society's getting comfortable and getting lazy. And pastor's getting real. I'm, I'm really afraid we've become a nation of quitters. And we've already adapted it or co-opted it into our laws and into our government and into our culture, into our society, and God forbid, even in our churches. Everybody says, well, I'm going to do the best I can, but I can always go bankrupt. Can I speak to you? You're only bankrupt if you're bankrupt in here. As long as you got breath in your body and you're willing. Just because it's wiped off some book don't mean you don't owe it. I'm telling you, bankruptcy is not an option. 
no-fault divorce. I know some of you have gone through situations I can only imagine, and you've been dealt cards you couldn't play, and I respect and understand that, but from this day forward, you need to delete the word divorce out of your vocabulary. You need to cut that cord, that back door, that plan B. As long as they do to suit me, I will stay. you got to make up in your mind. you got to be determined. I'm so glad that Julie threw the word divorce out of her vocabulary. She's still working on me. She keeps improving me. I'll stay as long as I'm getting what I want or it makes me feel good. How about this one? If the spirit stuff don't work out, I can always go back to my career or hobbies or carnal pleasures that kept me entertained before. I'm telling you, Daniel said it right. Satan in the last days is going to wear out the saints. He's trying to wear out your faith. He's trying to weaken your resolve. He's trying to diminish your determination. He's trying to fill too many with anxieties that keep asking the question, what if this and what if that and what if it don't work out and what if it don't come through and what if I can't do it? I'm here to tell you, it's never been based on whether you could do it or not. God saw who you were when he extended his hand of mercy towards you. If God called you out, he didn't take the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage with not a plan he had already gone before to make a way in the Red Sea he already had began a plan of manna he was a cloud by day and fire at night he already had a blueprint for a portable church called the tabernacle God's not going to call you out to let you fail God is with you and he wants to elevate you he's not going to tell you to let go of your safety net if he hadn't got you. Y'all give me a few more minutes. Why was it every time the children of Israel hit a speed bump? <laughs> Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. That's not too abnormal from what I hear in church today. People come into church with a bang. And then it's not smooth sailing. Everything's not perfect. Everything's not rainbows and, and beautiful roses. And it's still a struggle. Everybody say struggle. He didn't say he would carry you around. He said, I'd carry you through. I'll carry you through. I am with you even to the ends of the earth. This is what I want you to get. Could it be that God miraculously moved through the Red Sea and rolled the waters back and dried the ground, and they crossed over on dry ground with walls of water on both sides. I think they saw fish looking at them like, what in the world is that? They walked through it on dry ground and got to the other side, and God let the walls of water go, and he drowned Pharaoh's army, horses, and chariots. And when they got on the other side, I counted at least five different times. Why don't we go back? They got leeks and onions. I love onions. With something. Onions just with onions is onions. It needs. Here's what I want you to get. Could it be that God used this dividing part known as the Red Sea to get them through? But if they decided to go back, he wasn't going to roll the waters back. And he wasn't going to do a miraculous thing for them to go backwards. Can I tell you what? God will move mountains. 
He'll make a way where there is no way when you're trying to go up higher and do better and get out of sin and serve God. But he ain't going to make it easy on you going backwards. You know why? Because God wants to see you go through. Hernan Cortez brought 600 men from Spain to discover the new world. In 1519, he landed on the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, modern-day Mexico, and his 600 men, and they were on the beach, and they were enjoying the beautiful new country and scenery and seeing things they'd never seen before. But Cortez knew, knows what happens to people when they get a long ways from home over a period of time. They get homesick, and they want to go back. So he had two of his best soldiers Go out to the boat, the ships that they crossed over the ocean in and scuttle them and burn them. And here's the men on the coast of Mexico looking at their way home. And now it is on fire and it's soaking in, in the ocean's waters. No way home. Can I make a point to you there? He did that so they would establish a presence in modern-day Mexico. There's a reason that Mexico and Central America and most of South America speak Spanish. It's because some people went there and didn't go back. He severed the opportunity to go back to where they came from. That'll get you motivated, can I get a witness? I tell you what, you need to get that same motivation. You need to speak faith and say, that drug dealer that I still got his number in my phone, I need to delete that. That person that you know when y'all get together leads you into things, you, you need to cut them out of your life. You need to cut the cord of anger and bitterness. The enemy wants to rile you up and get you. You need to sever something. I'm not going back when I get discouraged. Oh, pastor, you get discouraged. Sometimes I get discouraged, but I don't tell you. Not because I've got this image to uphold. I'm human like everybody else. I don't tell people when I'm discouraged because I know what happens. Misery loves company. And you start talking about uh, you're discouraged and th people will want to pile on your discouragement and they think they're helping. Like, you know, you've been to the doctor and you've got some diagnosis. They want to tell you about their aunt who had the same thing. She died three days later. Doesn't that make you, doesn't that make you feel better? Who, does that make you feel better? No. Oh my Lord. You just had a simple headache. Now you got tumors and you're going you're gonna to die before the... When I'm discouraged, Sister Alford, I don't tell a bunch of people I'm discouraged. How is it, Pastor? All is well. Because I've made up my mind. No matter if I don't like what I'm going through, I'm not going backwards. I know what's back there. You don't want that. Drama and depression and despair and brokenness and addiction and fear and anxiety. I'm going forward. I'm determined. I've severed them ropes. I've cut them. I'm going forward. I'm determined to go through. I don't tell people when I'm discouraged. When I'm discouraged, I remember where I came from. I remember how I started. I remember the night he called me to preach. I remember the day I was baptized in his name. And I've had a revelation. My God don't put his name on any junk. And we're buried in baptism. He puts his name on us. We're no longer who we were. We're now his. And we got his name. And when the enemy wants to defeat you and discourage you, you remind him whose name is on you. When I get discouraged, I remember God is with me. God God is on my side. God's not going to call me to do something I can't do. I can make it. I need to get rid of that backup plan. That plan B. Back to our text. Paul tells them, unless you stay with the ship, 
You know what? Storms in life are inevitable. Crisis is turmoil. People fail you. Companies fire you. Money runs out of your pockets faster than you can put it in there. Especially if you've got kids. <laughs> Grows legs and walks off. Storms in life, though, that God allows are not sent to destroy you, but to deliver you from your backup plan. I don't have time to preach it all, but you look at this whole text today that when they were running near the rocks and they were afraid they were going to run aground, they were so weighted down. The Bible says they begin to throw things, wheat, overboard. Can I tell you that we got things in our life we can't think we can live without, but when storms come, you will find out quickly what's important and what's not important. I'm telling you what, there are things I thought I had to have, but when you go through a storm, it's amazing how little you need to serve. I'm preaching to somebody that that advancement at work, you think you can't live without that house, you can't live without that person, you can't live without. I'm telling you, God will allow a storm to come in your life and you'll start letting go and cutting things out of your life that you don't really need. We need to stay with the ship. Let everything on here go overboard, but I'm going to stay with the ship. Anybody remember the song, The Good Old Gospel Ship? The good old gospel ship. That is a metaphor. That is a metaphor for the church. I'm going to stay with that old ship of Zion. I love the term ship there. I've got several that I'm going to stay with. I'm going to stay with the fellowship. You can stay home and start hearing phantom voices and the whole world's against me and nobody knows what I'm going through and nobody cares. I might as well just let my life go and just take this alternate plan. No, I come to the church of the living God for fellowship with people of like precious faith. Somebody who may have been through what I've been through. Somebody who's gone through it and lived to tell about it. I don't want to hear how your aunt had something and died three days later. I want to hear about that I went through it but God was faithful and with the trial and the storm he brought me out he delivered me I'm going to stay in the fellowship let me talk about that a second there's certain denominations that talk about I'm saved but I'm out of fellowship I'm saved but I'm out of fellowship got to be very careful there that, that's, that's self-proclaimed theologians splitting doctrinal hairs to accommodate large groups of people. You're either in the ship or you're not in the ship. You're either saved or you're not saved. And I can tell you when it comes to my father who's been gone seven years now, I had seasons where uh, I didn't do right or I was rowing the wrong direction or I was doing things that I knew was displeasing. Isn't it amazing how we dodge those people when we know we're not doing right? That's why sometimes pastor tells you when you feel like coming to church the least, you need to come to church the most because that's usually an indication that you're getting spiritually weak and worn down by our adversary, the devil, who's trying to diminish your determination. And I would dodge dad or we would be estranged. He'd want me to do something. I didn't want to do it. Show him. I can do it. I'm not being rude or disrespectful. I'm not saying my family is like every family is or should be, but I'm going to tell you something. I knew when I was estranged from my dad, there were things I could and could not ask for. If I wanted his help, I had to take his direction. 
and you think you're going to be out of fellowship with God and he's going to give you whatever you want just because he's a heavenly father. I'm going to tell you what, heavenly fathers know how to give good gifts to the children, but good fathers know how to withhold things to bring about the right response. At, I feel the Holy Ghost here. They know. And so I'm not going to forsake the fellowship. I'm not going to forsake stewardship. That means I'm going to let God still be the Lord of my finances. Let me ask a question. Anybody here seen money getting tighter? Gas costing more. Interest rates are higher. 18 eggs, $5.99. I could preach a whole sermon. Have you seen the price of eggs? My Lord. If you've got bukus and bukus of money, where you, you're not even sure how much you have, you have so much. I, I had a great aunt that owned a bunch of, a chain of restaurants, and she was cleaning off her desk one day, and she said, well, there's a $5,000 check I forgot I have. Huh, she laid it over here. It's like, would you like me to help you carry that to the bank and cash it? I think I could help you. She didn't even know she had it. I can tell you, if I had a $5,000 check, not only would I know where it's at, it would be under lock and key. See, she had a surplus of money. Now, who knows what it is to have to count every penny and every Cheerio and every mile you drive to make it to your next payday. Anybody know about that? Anybody know what it is to scrape change out of your floorboard to get enough gas? To... I'm old enough to remember taking Coke bottles back. Banking them fuel points, Julie. Eating. Hamburger helper without the hamburger. Put enough salt on it. What you preaching, Pastor? What I'm, what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get across here is that when you have surplus, if you lose a few hundred dollars, you don't even know it's no big deal. But when money's tight, wherever penny counts, isn't it very important to be studious and diligent with every dollar? Can I tell you what? When do you need the blessings of God more? When you got plenty or when you're barely getting by? It is no time to fall down on stewardship. You need the blessings of God more now than you've ever needed them. And it's not if. I'm telling you, financial crisis is coming. And it don't matter who's in the White House or who's in the Congress and who's in the Senate. I'm telling you, the Bible is prophesied. There's coming financial ruin to this world. We need the favor of God. And I'm going to honor Him in stewardship. I'm going to continue in discipleship. I'm going to keep on learning and molding my life into the image and the likeness of our Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm going to grow in the Lord. I keep hearing Tuesday's election day. If you hadn't voted, you need to vote. I don't tell people how to vote. I just encourage you, if you have that constitutional right to take advantage of it, to express your opinion, express it there and don't shoot your neighbor. That's good preaching right there. Express your right in the ballot box, not. And I hear there's a red wave coming. But I'm going to tell you something. A red wave has already come. The blood of Jesus is done swept over. 
whosoever will. For when the death angel came and was going to deliver them out of Egypt to let them go, the blood was applied. And those who didn't have the blood, death gripped that house. But those who had the blood applied, the death angel... I'm telling you what, if you want to see the enemy, let go. You get the blood of Jesus applied to your life. You get baptized in His name. You pray in His name. You walk in His name. Everything you do, you do in His name. It's the name of Jesus that causes the enemy to let you go. These guys on this ship, the Bible says under the color. It's kind of Old English, confusing. That word there is to pretend or be a pretender. Isn't it amazing they were on the ship, but they were just pretending to be wanting to stay on the ship. You know, Paul said, how are you guys doing? Oh, hallelujah. Don't tell nobody, but we're going to get out of here tonight. We got this plan B. We got this back door. We got this getaway ship. We ain't staying with this ship. We're getting out of here. Hear me, you can be in church, but if you got one foot in the church and one foot in the world... You are not going to make it. Can I tell you today, as a prophet come from God, your alternative is not your answer. The enemy always wants to provide you with an alternative to what God wants for your life. But you need to stay with the ship. There's not many ways to God. There's one way to God. There's not many baptisms. There's one baptism. There's not many names. There's one name. His name is Jesus. He is wonderful. He is counselor. He is mighty God. He's everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. I'm here to tell somebody today, it's all in Him. It's in Jesus today that we rest. We live and breathe and have our being. There is no alternative to this gospel. I've been looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in all the wrong faces. You need to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He can not only speak and get you started, if you'll keep looking to Him, He'll bring you out. He'll carry you over. He'll deliver you to an expected end. He's got plans for you to bless you and prosper you. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about prosperity doctrine today. I do believe if you honor God and, and live a righteous life and are faithful in stewardship, the natural byproduct of that is you're going to be blessed. But we don't serve God just for His financial blessings. We serve God because He's worthy to be praised. Can I say this? No matter what you're going through, God is still good. I don't know what you've attached to your belt. You may have a long rope, a long, a long cord, and you got a plan B that nobody knows about. Well, uh, if, if my wife don't do to suit me, I got that girl at work that's been giving me that vibe. We've been eating lunch together on Fridays. If this doesn't work out, I got a plan B. You better sever all connection with her and give that same attention to your wife because the enemy wants to give you an alternative, but it doesn't come from God. We, I know the boss came around saying, hey, I'm going to give you a promotion and you got to miss a lot of church, but it's going to be worth it. There is nothing in this world worth missing heaven for. For Jesus says, if your right eye gets you in trouble... Pluck it out. If you can't handle the internet, you need to cut that cord. If you, 
If you can't handle the people that you're running with and they're pulling, you need to delete them out of your phone. You need to get them out of your life because it would be better for you to have no friends and go to heaven is to have the wrong friends and go to hell. Jesus says if your right hand gets you in trouble, cut it off. It'd be better to go to heaven with one hand is to have two hands and be opening your eyes in hell. What are you trying to tell me today, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you this. I'm afraid too many people, even those who come to church, lack the courage to cut the ropes of the things that are holding you back from where God is wanting to elevate you to. Well, if I serve the Lord with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, my family will disown me. Can I say that's on them? That's on them. I'm not sure what my husband will say. Could be he's been waiting on you. But pastor, I've got these goals and ambitions. I tell you what, I'm I'm a driven person. I wake up every morning with a list of things to do, and I've got goals and ambitions. The staff around here hates to see me coming on Monday because I got a list. Who knows I got a list? Oh, Lord, here he comes. I'm a driven person. I'll tell you what, top of my list, everything else is secondary. When it gets down to it, my main focus and goal is to make heaven my home. I'm I'm going to a city whose builder and maker is God. This world is not my home. I'm going to make the best out of it while I'm here, but I'm not putting down deep roots here. For when the trump of God sounds, I'm going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and i got a place for you. I've made up my mind. I'm not going back. I'm not looking for the loophole. There's no prenuptial in this relationship with God. I'm not trying to manufacture anything. But let me say this today. The Lord almost audibly spoke to me last night. I, was, I had a long drive. I was by myself. And I had been prayerfully turning over just what the Lord would have us say today. And I'm sitting there just... My, my mind is almost in neutral. I'm, I'm not really forging any thoughts. I'm just driving. And the Lord spoke to me. And He said, you know, there were instances where I was going through. But there were other instances in Scripture where I was going to. And man, that jumped out at me. There were some times that Jesus had a predetermined destination. I must needs go to Samaria. I must go to Jerusalem to be offered. But there are other times when he said, hey, I'm just coming through here. You look it up in your own time. But God did as many miracles in the places he was going through as he did in the places he was going to. What's your point, Pastor? My point is Jesus is in this place. He's coming through here. And if you want to leave here the same way you came in, weighted down with anxiety, depression, despair, guilt and shame of your past that's preventing you from reaching everything God's got in your future, He can just pass on through. But today, if you want to get His attention, if you want to have those cords that have you bound that prevent you, I I, I love what those soldiers did. They didn't understand anything about the sea, but they believed Paul. And they let that back door, that way of escape, that plan B, that loophole, they cut it and just let it fall on the sea. You know what they're really saying? 
I believe the Word of God through Paul more than I believe what I see with my eyes. I want you just to say, hey, Lord, here I am. And you already know in your mind what God's been lifting to the forefront. He's coming through here today. Would you just worship Him and He will draw nigh to you if you'll draw nigh to Him. Thank you for listening today. You can reach us at our website, www.tpos.church. To donate, you can use our text-to-give number at 615-490-9442. Until next time, go with God.